What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Base Life Podcast. This week, Brian and I sit down with our good friend, Bree, and we talk about LBC, life before COVID. <laughs> um, our friend Bree is a uh, professional adventurer, fun-haver, uh, world traveler, and um, you know, the, obviously the pandemic has had a huge impact on that. Um, but if you want to learn more about Brie after listening to this episode, check her out on all the social medias. Uh, if you just use, uh, the Brie adventure, you can't miss her, uh, without further ado, this is the Brie adventure podcast on the base life podcast. Three, two, one. See ya. You're listening to the base life podcast with your hosts, Randy and Brian. Carson Daly's uh, TRL what live? TRL. You know, he wouldn't know. <laughs> you don't remember no. Total Request Live? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Bree, how old are you? He can bleep it out. 29. <laughs> still? But I feel like it, still? Still. Oh, okay. Like first time 29? Like or first, like, time, first time 29, but okay. I also think I should only be 28 because COVID years shouldn't count. So if it's another one, mm. these should just be wiped off. I, this is a terrible way to end your 20s with covid and just in full lockdown touche yeah however it's quite the opposite like covid years age you twice as fast yeah that's very because true. the highlight of my weekend was an ikea run <laughs> yeah or a px run oh that's, going to the px yeah, or the commissary on. on the weekends is also one of those soul crushing things that Never would have happened before, and now it's like, well, I guess this is life. This is what we do now. This, yeah. is, this is our life. Never would have caught me dead uh-uh. on, on, on the weekend, base. and now it's like, well, mm-hmm. it's the only thing open on Sunday. Let's make a trip out of it. Yeah, we're not coming back just ragged out from a weekend of jumping and driving and having fun mm. and then jumping. Remember that? Uh, Portugal's open. So you can go to Algarve and skydive. And parts of um, Switzerland, I think, are too. Yeah. Yeah. Just can't get there. Nope. Yet. Meanwhile, the numbers, apparently, Germany's still up over 100 cases per 100,000. So apparently that means they're going to lock back down. But I don't understand. How can you go into a third wave of lockdown if we never left the second wave? Yeah, right? We, we never got unlocked down, it feels no, like. No, it started. They, yeah. they talked about it. They and opened they, up for about two weeks, and then numbers went open? straight back up. Uh, you they didn't back. open fun. They still kept that <laughs> lockdown. No. Well, they went from one person. You can have one visitor mm-hmm. from another household to five. That was relaxed. And then what were the other mm-hmm. things that got relaxed? Uh, it was a phased, phased approach thing where, um, oh, now I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, like you could have more than one person visit your house. Curfew was lifted. Um, oh, yeah, I forgot. Um, we can else? stay out past 8 p.m. now. Mm-hmm. Very exciting days. You don't have to go with the papers. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> <laughs> what else? <laughs> it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the podcast, Bree. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. How's it going? 
Starting on a high note. Yay, <laughs> on a, just cocking down all the <laughs> all the restrictions of COVID. Yeah. So what what did you used to do before COVID? Uh, for the uninitiated, tell tell us a little bit of who's Bree. Tell us about yourself. <laughs> So before, when we were allowed to leave our little bubble, um, I usually spend every weekend traveling, um, going mostly uh, around Europe, doing lots of hiking, skiing, ice climbing, you name it, anything around. Um, the last year has been substantially different, but it's given the chance to do a lot more jumping. So with uh, the drop zone that was actually open in within our little bubble range of where we're allowed to go, that was one of the few highlights, I think, for me during COVID here, the last year of it. Um, but yeah, very different. You were jumping at SoCal, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't been there in a long time. Yeah. You haven't either. Mm-mm. I mean, I, I well, they're still closed mm-hmm. now, but... They yeah. were almost going to open this weekend. Oh, really? I hadn't heard that. Even uh, Eschbach was looking at opening hmm. in the beginning of April, but then the re-restrictions. Re-restrictions bring it back down. Yep. So, nope, not yet. It seems like being crammed into a, a plane with a bunch of people is not such a great idea right now. I don't know. One of these days it'll be fine again. Yeah. But I'm over it. At this point, I'm like, well, is it really that bad? Or That's what I think you have to I think everybody's just getting really – like the, the numbers, like the the UK variant or whatever. I, I, I am no expert. Don't believe me on any of this. But reading the news this morning, I was like, oh, yeah. So the numbers are high, but the deaths are low, and the UK variant is the ultra-contagious con- one that is getting everybody sick. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, okay. So everybody's just getting sick but not dying. So what are we like clamping down on and trying to stop? It's like, well, how about you get more vaccines out there? And that's what I know when they talked about like the flat and the curve before it was so they could have enough bed spaces and they could handle all of the people coming in. And if you're below that, then I think at some point there has to be the discussion about balance of whether mental health and people being alone and isolated for so long. And I mean, telework can be great when you can do your meetings in your pajamas from your kitchen table. But at the same time, there's obviously all the other issues that come up if you're stuck at home. He's such a stickler. (laughs) He's a fucking perfectionist. It is a nice table, though. You have to protect I, it. I probably made more noise getting you that coaster. He could give two fucks about the table. He, what he's worried about is the fact that the cup made a noise. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> anyways. Yeah, so tell us, uh, so pre-COVID, you were quite the adventurous. Pr- I mean, you're as adventurous <laughs> as you can be in COVID, but um, you used to be fun and interesting before <laughs> COVID. <laughs> Tell us, what was that like? <laughs> um, yeah. Go. So <laughs> before all of this, in, um, in the BCs, in the yeah before BC before COVID time, it was every weekend pretty much going and. You know, I was never here on any weekends, long weekends especially, always going somewhere, usually around Europe. Um, Lots of hiking, lots of, I guess, exploring the different cities. So I was able to hit every country and even the little microstates in Europe 
thankfully it was like a month before COVID locked us down. Um, but yeah, usually traveling some type of adventure, I got to do a lot of like the ice climbing, learning how to do And Europe, I think is a cool place because you have access to so many different things that you don't in a lot of places when you're in the States and you don't have access to go to one of the world's best skiing mountains and regions. Um, and so I've tried to take advantage of that as much as possible. And then just being located here in Germany is a nice spot because you can easily get to almost anywhere of jump in your car. And, you know, in the States, you drive for four or five hours and you've road tripped across half of the state. And here you've gone through two different countries and you can see some amazing places that aren't just bucket list items and you can do that on just a normal weekend and you can I know you guys know Lauterbrunnen and Switzerland far better than I have um, but it's one of the most beautiful places I think that I've ever been and it's again you can go there on a weekend and hang out hike do any adventure sport drink a lot and then come back and it's just a, a normal weekend and it's definitely been a benefit and something I've loved about living here concentrated opportunity yes in europe absolutely i like it yeah and so many different cultures too and uh and cheap flights to go you can go you know from mountains one weekend and then catch a 25 euro flight to mallorca the next weekend and you get off the plane and you're 20 minutes away from drinking on a beach and it's just super nice opportunities for for being here especially what what do you miss the most if, uh, or what can't you do right now that you want to do having a life <laughs> no um i i think interacting with people has especially when they do Ugh, such strict don't, lockdowns. don't do it i don't i don't recommend it <laughs> interacting with anyone that's right I've, i'm over it i'm i'm over the isolation and just being i mean you go from your little work bubble of like yeah. the five people that you see in the office and you're with them all day every day and then you go home and you're in your just your tiny little isolated bubble and if you can't go out and you don't see anyone but obviously traveling is my biggest and I had so many great trips and everything lined up and planned before I left here and now those are just a someday and I hate someday <laughs> as like a word when you describe a trip I want to do things now and like actually put a plan together and figure out how to make it happen that the someday is super frustrating like someday we're gonna have hope and we're gonna be able to go do things again how many how many countries have you been to 108 and yeah, that number hasn't changed in a year now, which is disappointing because it was on a, a good picking up a lot of momentum and going so many new places. Um, but yeah, 108 so far, which is at least crossed the, the three-digit mark, which is exciting. Yeah, that's huge. How many are there? 180? 185? 196. Yeah. Is what, well, there's different lists, though. I mean, of... Which ones you count, what, what and you we count. even change when we recognize different yeah. places. We've done that in Africa. With Sahara is a thing now. Mm-hmm. Depending on who you ask, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There's there's opportunity for a few new countries here and there, mm. um, depending. But um, so maybe you can go to those two <laughs> if they settle down. Yeah, I was going to say. I uh, would love to. South Sudan? You, you, you itching to get there? I haven't been there yet. Ugh. Sounds interesting. Oh, nah. 
you uh you were working on a uh, you had a goal to hit the the seven summits. Mm-hmm. Tell tell us a little bit about that. So I did Kilimanjaro in I think it was December of eighteen, and I thought it would be um I thought it would be more challenging honestly. And going there, it was it was fun. Um, they had the little guide, and and you hike up with them. They show you the way. They keep you a nice slow pace, and I think the altitude is the biggest thing that was difficult for some people. But thankfully, it wasn't a, an issue. And so after summiting that one, it was like, huh, we finished a day early. Uh, wasn't really that difficult. Um, so it, I guess you was, guys caught good weather. Caught good weather, yeah, and, and I think that's something, those are things that you, you can't control at all, right. and it'd be super frustrating. I know, so Elbrus was after um, going to Russia and hiking, that one was after the Kilimanjaro, and we finished, and then as we were hiking down, like, storm clouds were rolling in, and they basically told everyone in the mountain, like, if you're going to, if you're planning on summiting in the next four days, like, it's not going to happen, and that would just suck, because that's something you can't control, and you, especially if you train for it, and you fly all the way there, you it'd be pay for very it. frustrating. You get approval, you finally make it there, and you get into country. Using vacation time, all sorts of things. Absolutely. When you could be drinking on a beach and you give it up to go climb a mountain and and work really hard, like, you want, obviously, to to summit. But, yeah, so after doing Kilimanjaro and talking with other people on the mountain, I thought it would be interesting and fun to go ahead and continue trying to do those. So I planned to do Antarctica last year, and that didn't happen. What's the name of that one? Um, Vincent Massif. That's massive. Yeah. Okay. So that's the next one I'd really like to do, but timing wise, it, it will be a little more challenging now. Didn't you have a plan to do uh, South America? At Concagua? Yeah. Um, I did. Yeah. I also thought I was going to be able to knock out those two last year. I was very optimistic mm. at the beginning, thinking that this would only be a few months and everything would go back to normal. Um, uh, yeah. Hopefully I'll be able to do at least one of those in the next year or so, and then we'll see. With school timeline, they're not going anywhere. They're not. They're still there. But I wanted to do. I wanted to go to all seven continents before I turned thirty, and I don't think that's going to happen now. What uh, creeping up? What what continents are name? Yeah, tell us about that. Which ones have you gone to? Which ones have you? uh, So I've been everywhere except for Antarctica. Antarctica. Okay. Yeah, that's the last one. Yeah, same. I think I've lived actually in most of them because I've lived in Australia. Well, not Africa, I guess, just traveling there frequently. Um, but I did the seven wonders of the world before 25. Mm. So I thought it would be very cool to do like the seven continents by 30 and the seven summits by 35 just to have some type of interesting age-based goal. But mm. I guess now it's just doing them if if we're able to and if when whenever it's gonna fit into a timeline. On the spot, no Googles. What are the seven summits or seven uh, wonders? Seven wonders. All right, Colosseum in Rome, um, Petra in Jordan, hmm. uh, Chichen Itza in Mexico, the Christ the Redeemer in Rio, Machu Picchu in Peru, Great Wall of China. And the Taj Mahal in India. Taj Mahal. Uh-huh. Surprised oh, the, the pyramids aren't on there. Yeah, you made it to the Taj. Uh huh. How long was that drive from Delhi? Oh my God, it was a nightmare. Yeah, that that's was, why we didn't go. Yeah, <laughs> it was. 
like a half a day that we spent on that road. And it, it was a, an easy road. Looked at doing like a bus option or something and then realized that was going to be a terrible idea. Yeah, Reading got, like, through a few of the reviews. Chickens over your shoulder and stuff. Yeah. Like. That's what we're like, nope, this is an easy, easy decision to get a car and a driver. And it was very cheap there. Mm-hmm. And so. Yeah, we didn't get to do the little the triangle, but we just went straight from um, New Delhi down yeah. in Salatage. Yeah, it was Spend in a Delhi. Day or two down there. Yeah, we were there for a work trip. We we're like, oh, we have a we have a day for sightseeing. Let's go to the Taj Mahal. Pulled up the map, asked the guy at the hotel. He's like, yeah, it'll take you about seven hours or eight hours to get there. We were like, mm, mm-hmm. we're not doing that in a day. Which is disappointing, especially if you're that close. Like, I'd done India before and wanted to go then. Same yeah. thing. Like, looked at time-wise and was like, oh, that's that's not going to happen. But mm-hmm. I think it would be fun also to go back to India. I, I, did you do Holly when you were there? Mm-hmm. I think that would be cool. What's, What's that? that? It's where, oh, I don't know the background that much about what Holly is. It's one of their big holidays though the h-o-l-l-i and it's where they have so that's where they do the the color runs and everything come out of the holly so that's where they they throw all the colors and there's a lot more that's involved in that that's Mm. based on culture and i'm just not that familiar Mm. but it would be cool to go i think going and seeing like the major holidays or festivals or events that countries celebrate is a really cool way of seeing a country rather than just going during a normal time you see a completely different aspect of a country and i think it's cool but again it'll be weird to see how things shape up after covid of what these massive festivals and events are going to look like for at least the next few years Mm. yeah yeah because i was thinking like if you just the idea of doing running of the bulls and july it's like mm, that's probably not happening did you do that twice did you get hit i i tried to, i mean I, I made it into the coliseum with the bull when they you know let mm-hmm. when they do the running of the little bulls inside um no i didn't get hit um free <laughs> so i did the running day one well it was they do it for like the whole week or whatever yeah it's from like the 6th to the 14th yeah, so Every I did morning. it the second to last day and then planned on just like watching the very last day from one of the balconies and had such a fun time doing it. It's so exciting, like the adrenaline, like people are just bouncing up and down, like waiting for the bulls to like see them come around the corner and then take off and start going. And mm-hmm. you can feel the energy and it's terrifying and super exciting and exhilarating. Well, I so almost I, died. I did it the first time, got shoved. I think people were the most dangerous. Mm-hmm. Like they're very big part of the problem there um made it in and then the last day was like what made it yesterday like why not just do it again today make it in yeah into the the little coliseum that running around and you just get stuck in a crowd of people and all of a sudden everyone parts and you're the last person and i turn and there was the bull is like two feet behind me and I got tossed like a little rag doll and you hear the whole stadium just be like yeah. Ooh. and then I have I have nice scars on my legs from that and I have a good little it it hit my leg as well because it landed and took off so that was not uh I had to drive then immediately afterwards like, <laughs> from there down to Madrid I think and drop off the rental car and then like fly back 
And so by the time I got out of the car, it was like three hours and the wounds were like starting to kind of heal. Mm. I mean, they pick you up and they drag you out of the arena immediately and the doctors are all on you and they clean you and they check you. But then get in the car and drive. And I was like, ugh. I look like an old woman for like a straight week. I could barely stand up. It'd take me like five minutes to stand every time. They'd be like, can you come? It's a family guy joke that just doesn't end as I would like gradually get out of the chair. Yeah. It was fun though. It was exciting. I, I, I don't think I'd do it again. Yeah. yeah. I had a blast. I almost died because uh, they were closing the doors to the arena as mm-hmm. we were running through and there was a pile up in the hall, in the arena uh, entryway. entryway. Mm-hmm. So... All of a sudden, I fall. There's a cop trying to stop people from walk, running in, and he's got his club out. And, yeah, like, pile up. I end up on the bottom of a pile up, like, of 30 people on top of me. And I was just getting crushed to death by 30 people. And was like, oh, I got – and a cop was about a foot away from me just squishing on top of me, staring him in the eyes, thinking this is how I'm going to go out. Staring at this fucking cop. <laughs> and I was just like, uh, and I got squished for however long. And finally they started pulling people off. And then we were in and I was like, oh, okay. Well, that was all right. I'm alive. And then the bulls come out and play. The, the little babies come out. And I was like, ah, this is fun. But like they you said, yeah. you can't see the bull in the crowd because of course they've let too many people in. Yep. So you're running around just wondering where the bull is. And then all of a sudden, like those, you know, schools of fish when the shark comes through the water and they (laughs) all just like part. And if you're the one that's standing there when it parts and you're like, Oh, that's the, Oh shit. This is too late. Yeah. And I saw that happen with the pileups and that's what I was just like, especially if you're catching and you're going through about the same time as the bulls are running in. Um, I saw someone, his little neck collar, because you wear the little red scarves on Mm -hmm. your neck and you're festive and the bull's horn caught him and it drug him until it finally like ripped, but it was just choking someone who was about a foot and a half away from me, like running beside and and then he just got like swiped up by the bull and I was like, oh my God. Yeah. That wouldn't. That yeah. wouldn't be a fun way. I, I definitely ducked into a like door, door jam at, when they first ran by. And I was just like, ah! yeah, terrifying. Yeah, and they're but way faster than anything anybody else. Like oh nobody's God. outrunning these bulls. Uh-uh. And so we were just after Dead Man's Curve. Okay. Like we weren't starting from the back. We were like, let's start up front so we can get in. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you just you're chugging along and you hear the just chaos coming all of a sudden you're like and then you can just ah. like reach out and touch and you see them yeah. right there just barreling past trying to run while looking over your shoulder meanwhile people in front of you were tripping so now you're high jumping over people it was nuts yeah i'm disappointed they didn't let you bring in like a gopro or a camera or anything we did but i 100 well yeah i know a lot of people do uh, but I could see why, because I think if everyone is busy filming, then it just makes it ten times more dangerous, because then those pile-ups would happen with so many more people. Yep. Yeah. I don't see that happening this year. No, probably Did they do not. it last year? Did it get canceled? I don't know. I, I imagine, imagine it had to have gotten. It was a summertime thing, right? It happened July. Yeah, July. Yeah, average 6th to the 14th. Mm-hmm. And I think Tomentino would be really fun, too. But yeah. I think that one that that one definitely got canceled last year because I had planned to go, 
And that's where you just have that massive tomato fight in the middle of I, – I don't remember what city that one's. I used to know that answer because that was on my list as well. Um, it's I had a, I had it's a, also in Spain, mm-hmm. and it's just – it looks – super messy and super fun and i think it's the end of august is when that one is and i definitely want to go back and do that it just looks chaotic as well yeah uh my buddy my buddy from the marines did it and uh, he said that like your your eyes are gonna sting it's like yeah you can try wearing goggles or something but it's not gonna matter like you're yeah, you just get acid like a uh, tomato acid just, it looks disgusting yeah. and terrible. so fun Hmm. I don't know. Because <laughs> we did the opening ceremony for San Fermin, mm-hmm. and we were there for the San- opening opening festival day, and then the running in the morning, and then we took off after that. And yeah, that day, people are just throwing buckets of sangria off the balconies, and you're just partying in the streets. And it's just—I mean—you're covered. You're—you you have your get-up on, and it's, it's purple yeah. when you when you finish. Yeah. So I realized the same thing is I had my little the white outfit. On, Everybody does, and which makes it impossible to stay with your friends. Yep, because everyone's exactly the same, and then every bar kind of like spills out, and everyone mingles together, and then they do the Coke and red wine mix. I know, and. That also just ends up like everyone's just throwing drinks around and it's super messy and disgusting. And I didn't realize how bad that white had been stained purple until I went into a a store and I saw the exact same pair of white shorts and I looked, put them aside the ones I was wearing and I was like, oh, this is about like 15 shades darker and like a nice purple tint to them. Mm -hmm. Time to, I guess, finally replace them. Yep. Yeah. I threw mine in the garbage. Yeah. It's the only place they should go. Yeah, I think I have the sash somewhere. And even then, I think I bought a new sash because it was like two bucks. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'll just take this one that's nice in plastic clean. and clean, and I will throw all this other stuff in the garbage. Randy, have you done that one? I no. know you've had lots of injuries. I, so <laughs> I, missed, yet. I missed Brian by like two days on one of those trips. Uh, have you gone more than once to running with the Bulls? Uh, yeah, we went... So when I first got here, Yadik and I went, and we had such a blast that we flew back the next weekend. Okay, so it was that following weekend. I, I missed. I just missed you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I stayed in stayed in Stuttgart that weekend. Yeah. What a wasted weekend. Right. And now COVID makes you regret all those weekends you just stayed local and you didn't do anything. That's all we do now. Yeah. What's uh? Tell us about another big event with lots of people that you went to at some point that was a lot of fun. I did Tomorrowland yeah. here twice, and that being for, for the, the unimish, uninitiated, what is Tomorrowland? So it's one of the massive. It's like the the mecca of the EDM music festivals, and it's in Boom in Belgium, and they have this entire park that they've like built, and they've Tomorrowland has poured tons of money into fixing up this park and making it super nice. But it's fascinating because like every street lamp there has the symbol like embedded into it so you're just going into a completely different world and you have thousands and thousands of people from all over the world going into the same place and you see countries that are at war with each other and people are holding their flags and they're 
standing beside each other listening to music and just like it's all such good energy and it's a, a long weekend of going back-to-back concerts you're exhausted by the end of it um but it was that's definitely been one of my favorite things and that's but yeah immediately the next year as soon as tickets were on sale it's like yep going again i wanted to go this year um before leaving but i don't think i think they're still scaled back so they do the they have the main one is in they have two weekends in like july and august or the end of july like last two weeks of july um and they just introduced a winter one so you can go party on the side of a mountain and do skiing and stuff and then also go up and listen to some of your favorite artists but that's one of the other massive events that's well worth going to i think nice back so circling back to the uh um seven wonders was which one was your favorite um i really liked petra because it's like the Indiana Jones movies and mm-hmm. you feel like you're in the middle. There wasn't that many people when, when we went, it was a little bit of an off season. And so you just, you know, it feels like you're Indiana Jones and you're in an adventure movie and you're going through the little ravine then all of a sudden it opens up and there's some really cool hiking around there. Um, but I do think so two that should be on the list that aren't, I think is Angkor Wat in Cambodia. I think that one's awesome and then the the great pyramids in egypt like i think obviously it was it was done so they rework that list every few years and it's based on popular vote so then you have countries that have a lot of high population can vote their one in which is then why sometimes you'll see some really cool things not make it to the list and other new ones so like i think christ the redeemer it's, it's a cool place to go see like Getting to overlook all of Rio was really cool. They have awesome hang gliding that you can do there. You run off and you again you like you see all of the the Bay of Rio and it's a beautiful place. But places like Angkor Wat and yeah the pyramids are super cool and there's so much history there and mm-hmm. I think those belong on the list. That's cool. yeah. I was gonna say, is there a difference between that and the uh, like the ancient wonders of the world? Uh huh. So yeah. they have, and they've done them. It's, I, I think, a little bit of a tourist ploy to be like, oh, this is the ancient ones, and you can come here. And then they have the natural seven wonders of the world, and they have all these different smaller lists with, like, the asterisk beside it of they have, you know, whatever other seven wonders of a certain thing. Mm-hmm. But you'll see that, like, Halong Bay in Vietnam, they were, I think, one of the natural wonders of the world. It's like, okay, there, there are... Tons of cool things to see, but yeah. Seven Wonders, I think most of them are, those are worth it. Machu Picchu is also really cool. You can do like a, we did, I did a five day hike of the Inca Trail and every day was like an adventure day and with zip lining, um, mountain biking, we just did something along the the trail every day and at the end of the night you're drinking lots of pisco sours and tequilas and then you get up the next morning and you hike again and then the final day you hike up and you see machu picchu and the sunrise and it's pretty cool did you start that hike in cusco yeah well yeah cusco i think is where we flew into and then 
drove from there a little okay, bit and okay. then started it a little further away so we could okay. do more of the hiking. Yeah, because I, I took a train from Cusco to uh, Aguas Calientes and then spent the night and then took just like a and bus. And did that right like up. Yeah. hour yeah, hike well, up? Well, when I did it, um, so I would, You took was, the bus? Huh? Well, no, there was a bus from the base of Aguas Calientes. What, did you walk up? Yeah. I, I was not in any shape to be. Uh, I was, it was stupid though, and you didn't miss anything. Like they have yeah. a gate, and you have to line up at this gate at like 4 a.m., hmm. and then it's a 45 minute like sprint upstairs, and it's just stairs all the way back and forth up the mountain until you get to the base of like Machu Picchu, and then you can go in. And then we saw it as soon as we got up there, and you know they're sweating, and it's like not even 5 a.m. You're all sweaty. The sun hasn't come up, and then some bus just rolls up, and it was like. There was a bus. No one said there was a bus. <laughs> uh, I've got a base story like that in Lauterbrunnen, but uh, anyway, it's for, for another time. But yeah, uh, we so with with um, Machu Picchu, we we climbed uh, Buena Picchu that overlooks Machu Picchu. So, mm-hmm. so we had the energy to do that because we took the bus, but. Um, and that one has some sketchy. So that's on the other side, and it has the really mm-hmm. sketchy trails. We did Machu Picchu. So they have, scary. like, the actual Machu Picchu is that taller mountain mm-hmm. that's on the other side, but it also overlooks. Mm-hmm. And I was with, unfortunately, other Marines, and they thought it would be, uh, everything's a race. Mm-hmm. And so what they said should be, like, a two- to three-hour hike we did in 45 minutes. Ugh. And it was awful. I would never do a we real. get to appreciate. So stupid. You know, like, There's no reason for things. that. But we did bring the one good planning thing is we brought a bunch of beers with us. So we had backpacks and we sat at the top and then just got to drink the little cervezas and overlook Machu Picchu. And that was pretty cool. Mm. Worth it. Worth that long, stupid, fast hike. <laughs> when you're flying past people and they're like, why? I'm like, I don't know. Because <laughs> I don't want to quit. <laughs> yeah. Did you eat guinea pig while you were there? Kui? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, that's what on the on the trail. Um, we were at one of the little guest houses for the night, and we show up, and there's little guinea pigs just all over the kitchen, just running luck. And <laughs> dinner comes around, and they're like, "Oh, we're having like chicken and rice for dinner." And we're like, "That's weird. We haven't seen a single chicken." on this trail like for days now um and we knew the guinea pig was really popular but i guess with western guests they are less interested in eating guinea pig and they feel more comfortable if you if they're told it's chicken but yeah we had it there and then we had it in town but not the same like crispy version that it sounds like you had yeah Oh yeah, ours looked like it looked like they had just skinned the guinea pig and just threw it in a deep fryer because it, it's still like it came out on a plate like it was on its back like with its uh, arms you know arms all arms and legs up in the air like yeah wasn't wish, wasn't uh, wasn't prepared any like you could still tell what it was oh yeah absolutely like, I mean it still had a face and everything like it was yeah. uh, I don't even like getting a whole fish on my plate. Yeah. Like, you know, when you get the, yeah. with the eyeballs. Fish still looks like a fish, yeah. Yeah, like, <laughs> fucking, give me a filet of some I wanted kind. you to cook it for me, which is why I came to a restaurant. Yeah. No, ours, at the end of the, the hike, we were in the little restaurant, and I asked the guide, I was like, oh, I heard that the guinea pig is a big thing here. Can I get one? I would like to try it. And he was like, don't worry, you've tried it. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
fair yeah. enough. Yeah, we weren't we weren't allowed to hike the uh, uh, do the hike. Well, so so I was on a, I only had like nine days to to experience Peru. Um, so we were planning to do the hike, but um, they I guess there were some like um, I think they were called like the Silver Star, or there was some kind of like political group. Like they they were kidnapping people along the trail and stuff. And, uh, well, that keeps um, it spicy. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to think. No, like a guerrilla, some kind of guerrilla group. Um, so they were strongly encouraging us not to, uh, not not to do the hike. But I've never, I don't know. The, the Marine Corps took the fun out of hiking for me, so I've just never been much of like a no hikes. Hike, hiking's a necessity. You know, it's like we got to do it to get to certain jumps, or we got to do it to. I don't just go for a hike to go for a hike. Like, because it doesn't make bad, sense to me. And then you have to hike back down, yeah, which is the worst there's part. There's got to be like, a reward. Yeah, like, when you're going <laughs> up, you're at least like, okay, I have to make it to the top. I have to summit. And then once you get there, you're like, well, this is now I really don't want to hike back down. Yeah. It's more painful. Yeah. yeah. Brutal we're, on the knees. We're, we're all about yeah. the fast way down, you know. It's it, much better. Yeah. yeah. It's the efficient way off the mountain. What do I know? I haven't, I haven't actually done that in like two years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Soon enough. Oh, Chuck, I'm you're getting to... brave. Psst. Yeah. Come on. You know better than that. Come on. Th- this this uh, portion of the podcast is brought to you by my cat, Charlie. <laughs> Climbing on the counter, you know which what? is just super gross. Fuck. <laughs> right, you're right. Not, Get your dirty feet all move. over the shit. <laughs> I'll just wipe it down later. Yeah. But, um, all right, so all that depressing stuff aside, all of the what we wish we could do, what what are you going to do next, so, travel-wise? Yeah, hopefully next month we'll actually be able to do some work trips and go back down to, to Africa and get a few final ones in before packing up and starting to roll out of here. But my next very exciting trip that has been my saving mental grace for the last few months in my countdown is going to Tahiti. Um, fingers nice. crossed that one stays open mm. and allowed to fly in there. Um, but I've done a couple of the Yacht Weeks, so they have the Yacht Weeks in Croatia and Greece and all over the place now and tons of different tour companies. And it's a week of basically you wake up and you start drinking with your friends at like 8 a.m. or whenever you do. You have mimosas to start the day. Sail around to a different place, do some scuba diving, cliff diving, like whatever you want at nighttime, like go out and enjoy a new town. Um, so I've done a couple of the two of them, just the Croatia and Greece so far. And so this one is coming up in the end of May and I can't wait for that. Mm. Hopefully it actually happens. Um, they're supposed to be, yeah, diving with sharks and Tahiti looks just gorgeous. It'll be long, painful flights over, but. It would be worth it to be able to finally go to a beach somewhere sunny again. Hmm. That'll be amazing. I really hope that happens for you. Just to I have some like sun so. and warmth. Something about being near the ocean. It's uh has some very like, I don't know, just re energizing kind of properties or something. Yeah, and I think that's hard here is because you can't go anywhere if you can't fly and we can't cross borders mm-hmm. you can go to the lakes and lakes are nice but it's just very different from being on a beach and getting to play in the water so hopefully that one actually happens yeah, yeah. yeah so brie you found yourself um in a unique profession 
you want to talk a little bit about that? Or I can edit all of this out. You decide. Um, what do you mean? Like with between my, my lives, the balance of my lives? Like <laughs> Uncle, Uncle Sam's misguided children. <laughs> um, yeah. So how I got started with that is I, I graduated college young. I was talking about the Marine Corps. For yeah. I, <laughs> I was like, okay, wait a minute. I'm, I'm picking up. Um, graduated college when I was 19 and thought about doing foreign service or a handful of other things. I was interested in going and, and studying, maybe doing my master's immediately following. And then I thought, you know, all military would be a really good professional development. I'd get a good leadership and actual, um, a chance to, you know, go do something that means it's it's meaningful before just going and making a lot of money hopefully and then went um to all the different recruiters and everyone sees a, a young person coming in with high gpa and they're they're all trying to offer something and the marine corps is like yeah i mean like this isn't for you barbie you probably can't even do our fitness test and <laughs> they go they know exactly the right things to say and put the hooks in for the right people that fit into this organization when you're just very competitive and you're like i can do this and what are you talking about um so yeah i applied for it and then i actually bought a one-way plane ticket flew to australia because i wanted to go on an adventure after college and thought there's no time like before i get hooked into a career and start doing something so um then they emailed marie Corps emailed and they're like hey you start in the fall so we'll see you there mm-hmm. um went back and went through all the the training thought I would stay in for like two or three years and then they keep just giving me interesting things so I got combat engineer which is what I really wanted for an MOS and and then obviously now I've gotten through weird ways I got tied in with Africa and I loved what we get to do there and so that's when Continuing to do that, I came over and took this reserve gig when I switched over from active to the reserves, and I I love it. It's fun. You get to do sometimes go play in the Wild West and getting to do the the Africa side of it and the um, Foreign Affairs Officer portion of it is is super interesting and it's always different. It's not just usually other than this last year. It's not just sitting at a desk and doing the same nine to five every day. Very cool. Yeah, and developing programs and uh, the travel isn't wasn't so bad at one point. <laughs> yeah. And you get to think of ideas and there's still room to, to develop new ideas, I think. And a lot of jobs, you're just still kind of repeating the same thing or you're going to the same meetings. And when you have the chance to like see a problem and then try and create a solution to it, and then you actually get to go be a part of like implementing that it's it's fascinating and it's fun and and then again it changes six months later and you have a new crisis or a new problem that pops up and you could go work on that right it's like problem solved next problem problem solved <laughs> next problem what was it like uh living in okinawa um Oki, I think, can go a couple different ways. So I ended up there. I was supposed to be there for two years, and I ended up there almost three just because they were waiting time-wise for orders and when I was going to pick up promotion and everything. Um, 
but I think it's fun there also for the travel stuff that you get to do. So that's where I was doing primary of the engineering. So you get to go build schools and do um, humanitarian civic assistance projects and and work in the Philippines and Thailand as the part of their exercises and work with the partner forces. And you're living in the middle of nowhere for weeks and weeks at a time just with your engineers and like the other team from the other country and build a school. And at the end of it, you actually get to see the the efforts and all of your hard work come together into something that you can put your hands on. And that's pretty cool. Um, and then also there, travel is cheap to go to. I flew down to Bali and learned how to surf there. Went to a couple different back there a few times. Um, went all over though, like Hong Kong's a, a cheap, easy flight. Tokyo's easy. And so that was probably where I first really started going on tons of solo trips too of like if if it didn't work out for other people I'd rather not wait around and put a, a trip on pause which is also I think why I've gone so many places is that I'll build out my here's my travel schedule of what I'd like to do and then if people can go with me that's awesome and if not I'm just gonna go do it by myself so I went up and hiked Mount Fuji jumped all over all over Southeast Asia so it's a cool place you're in lockdown a lot kind of like this where you have curfews and you have to be um, in your residence by a certain time. And we went dry for a while, so lots of the, the rules and restrictions. Um, but overall, it was it was a good experience. Lots of scuba diving, too, which was a ton of fun. I've heard scuba diving is great there. Yeah. yeah. Did you get Is that where you got your patty? Or is that, is that how you got certified? or? I did that at the very end of college. It was a throwaway course that I already had a full load. And so it was basically a free course. And then we got to go to Florida for our checkout certs for an entire week. And it was an excused absence from the real classes, which was awesome. Um, So I did that. And then actually, like, Great Barrier Reef was one of the first places. Hey, nerd, stop it. (laughs) Not not you, Bree. Sorry. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so I did that where'd at the go, very wait, end of where'd college. Where'd you go to school? Ohio University. Uh-huh. Yeah. So completely in luck state. So we got, that's why we got to go down to Florida and they set the whole trip up and it was like, yeah, didn't have to go for a whole week of classes. We just went down and did diving down there. It's legit. And it was free then because you had already paid for your class. real work class mm-hmm. and it, it was, it worked out really well because then I went to Australia and so I got to dive, do some of the awesome dives there and see the Great Barrier Reef before it really started deteriorating. And then going to Oki, there I dove. That's where I actually started diving and did tons of different ones. And my old CO was really big on diving, so he would plan everything out, which was great. Just show up with the amount of tanks he said and follow the little path. And it was super easy and yeah. You also walk out and you don't have to do the the ship dives. So you can just walk out into the water and in five minutes you're down in the water instead of an hour to like go out to a place. Very cool. Yeah. I, I dove a, uh, it was a drug dealer's ship. Like it was a giant boat in Barbados because he, uh, he was, he was about to get, uh, he was getting approached by like some kind of drug enforcement, um, some kind of law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And so he, he set his boat on fire. He was like, screw it. I'm just going to sink this thing instead of. While you were diving on it? No, no, no. What? No, but, but so they, they just left it under the ocean. Ah. And so we got to dive it, like uh, go down in it when I was in Barbados. It was pretty cool. You never dove in Hawaii? Uh, I got my patty in Hawaii. Yeah. But um, 
Um, but then Hawaii is where I got back into skydiving. And for me, skydiving was just like, they're, they're like on polar opposite ends of the same spectrum because they're, they're very similar in that, you know, you can learn to control your body. Skydiving, scuba diving is very peaceful and it's the peaceful, slow opposite of skydiving, but they can both kill you and you can make, if you make mistakes and uh, do something wrong. So it's skydiving or scuba diving, you have a lot more time to fix any mistakes Mm -hmm. though. Like I had a ring blow in one of mine and I still had time to like get up to the surface before I ran out of oxygen. Like Mm -hmm. there's still, there's a little more time. Scuba diving gives you a little bit more grace to figure out problems, I think, but But the equipment's heavier It is, and you have to clean it afterwards. There was a lot, there's a lot of work that goes into scuba diving that, that I don't think you have to do in skydiving. Like, and you can't do back to back because it's not like right. you come up and you don't like just repack your parachute and go back up. Like you have to wait, especially if it's a long dive and you're deep, a deep dive, mm-hmm. then you have to wait for like an hour, two hours before you can go back in the water. And yeah, you know, and, and the conditions of the water, you know, like for getting in and out of the boat, if it's a boat dive versus like if you're going from shore, there's just a lot going into it and relative to skydiving for me anyways i'm lazy and <laughs> but i'm gonna have to give you a little uh coaster for your hands because you keep oh, slapping sorry. the table Put my hands making down. all that noise i don't know what to do with my hands well, you'd like to do this you're going real fast <laughs> my little cup your Aww. fucking hands oh brian's mad i made him use a coaster <laughs> no i just don't like the what, double standard here. What was it like this using is uh, number one bullshit? <laughs> number one bullshit. <laughs> what, what was it like uh, um, climbing Mount Fuji? Where does that rank on your? I don't, I don't know how tall it is or anything. It's tell tell us about small. Mount Fuji. I, I don't. I don't remember how tall it is. It's not tall. Like high um, altitude is not an issue on that one. So you can easily do that. It is closed for most of the year. So I know like we did it on the 4th of July, 96. We flew up to Tokyo and then... Not 1996, 4th of July. The 4th of July, four-day weekend that you get. 96 hours, yes. That's always confusing Ah, to people that don't speak retard like us. fucking 12? (laughs) (laughs) We get 96 Uh, hours. She was at 12 and 96. (laughs) Oh, wait, I'm... I was 12 at 90. No. I was 18 and 99. Yeah, close enough. <laughs> but Fuji's um, very small. Uh, you can easily hike it in a single day that you can just, again, trek up it. Well, I guess some people did have issues with altitude because one of my friend's sisters went and then they didn't go up to the top because she wasn't feeling well for mm. for getting higher. Um but we went and you, ideally you want to hike and you want to see the sunrise first thing in the morning and it comes up super early. So it's like 5 a.m. So you can either hike directly all the way through the night, which is like eight or nine hours, I think, of just hiking up this mountain. In the dark. In the, in the dark with a headlamp on. There's not really that much to see in the daytime, but it's still, I think, more interesting. And they have the little sticks that you get and they have huts all the way up the mountain and you can take this stick in there and they'll burn on the whatever symbol for that hut like you've reached hut number nine and it's like a sunrise on it or there's other little things so it's cool and you get your little memorabilia to take with you that has all the little things burned on it 
it's like a hundred yen or like a dollar or something to get every little stamp burned on and you have your cool little takeaway. Um, but you can hike up and then you can stay near the top at one of the huts overnight. And so that's what I set up for our little group is I, I went with a couple of people that I worked with and we hiked up and, and then as we got to that overnight hut, just a, a terrible storm hit. And so you hear like the winds howling outside and we're like, surely by morning, this is going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had our dinner and drinks and went to bed and at like 2 AM we get up to hike that last hour and a half. And they're like, Oh, the top of the mountain is shut down. Like it's very bad conditions. You basically have to go back down the mountain. So we're like, all right, decision point. Like, do we go down the mountain when we're this close to the top? I don't think so. So we just hike, we continued and we hiked up, we have to like hunker down on the side of the mountain. Um, we couldn't see anything. So we made it up to the top and we got like our little photos and we got our final stick burn, uh, at the top of the mountain. Um, and you go through one of the Tory arches, but unfortunately we couldn't see any bit of the sunrise, Aww. which was very disappointing. Um, but it, from the pictures, it looks like it would have been cool. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Sorry, well, sorry, sorry, I didn't see anything. But, but at least we, I mean, we, yeah. And at least you didn't become the, you know, the group of Americans who died on Mount Fuji because they were told to go down and and they didn't. said no. Yeah. Right. But that we'll reminds show me, you, Brian. You had you shared a funny meme that was like, uh, you know, uh, Mount Everest is littered with corpses of highly motivated people or something like. Maybe that. you should calm the fuck down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But. Yeah, but yeah, we'll see now that, uh, now that we have to figure out how to do a post COVID world and, uh, it might be a while before we're doing big group mass travel. Like I feel like everything's changed Yeah, and you can, you can go disappear in the mountains and that's going to be totally fine. That's that's what one thing I miss uh, is just being in the woods. That's why I ride my bike certain directions is because it's even though I know I'm like still kind of in the city, at least I'm surrounded by trees for a little bit. And uh, but just being in nature, like living in the city for as long as we we've, we've been in downtown, it's starting to wear me out. Yeah, too much. But it is nice that there's so many mountains that are close enough here that you can still drive a few hours yeah. and go down to to any of the Obstador for any of the, the black forest hiking mm-hmm. and do some of those, which aren't yeah, we're not big hills. <laughs> <laughs> we're not, we're not hiking in the hills. Now we need to figure out our paragliding shit is what we should have done. Yeah. Yeah. Have you paraglided yet? I would yet? come for that. No, not really. You're doing all this cool shit and you still haven't paraglided? Mm-mm, not yet. That's like, that's our retirement plan. Yeah. Skydiving and base jumping is like physically like punishing mm-hmm. when you start getting old like us. There, there's a, there's a there's a there's a timeline for this stuff. I mean, yeah, sky yeah. sky and base just wrecks your body. Yeah, I mean, and paragliding can if you're not smart about when you take off and land and how you oh, yeah. how you take off and land. Yeah, you could definitely fuck up. Yeah, but it's. You know, there's no opening shock, so it's a little, a little more gentle. Mm-hmm. It's it's the uh, it's the much more chill sport. That's the one where you pack beers and 
fly over the mountains and relax and enjoy the view. I would get on board with that. Yeah. That would be very fun to do. Yeah, Sky Sky and Base has an expiration date. I, I haven't quite figured out what it is yet, but yeah. Yeah, we'll see what but, that. But skydiving and base jumping, but but sky sports don't have to. Right. Yeah, you could get old and still do paragliding. So I think there's paragliding in the Black Forest and everywhere. Yeah. Like there's some. I know. I've seen it. I know on like Zugspitz and in Garmisch yeah. area that they have a lot to yeah, do for it sure. out there. Ben and I went to a little practice hill in uh, Tubingen. Um, huh. Yeah, that's. It's not much of right. a hill, but but then again, I didn't know what I was doing anyways, so it's probably a good thing. Yeah, yeah. but that's uh, that's definitely worth checking out. Because the other nice thing about that is you don't need a drop zone and you don't need a sheer cliff or you know mm-hmm. giant object to jump off of. You can go to any one of these. You know, you could paraglide off of Fuji. Because all you need is a bit of a hill to get a running start, and all of a sudden, I'm flying. And again, that prevents the shitty return down off exactly. of a mountain, mm-hmm. and it's a much more relaxing way to return. And then you can enjoy the views, and it's like you've actually earned that trip down the mountain, and it would be much better. Yep. Yep. So if you haven't checked that out yet, highly recommend Brian and I went in, uh, our first paragliding was in uh, Indonesia, right? Yeah. We did a little tandem, tandem paragliding sessions. We did. Strapped to a little Indonesian man. Yeah. I mean, watching, watching hang gliders lawn dart into the ground. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we watched gliding destroy it. Fuck that. No. I've done, see, I've only done hang gliding in Rio. Mm -hmm. You have hang glided though? Mm -hmm. Oh. Yeah. And it was fun because they were like, Oh, it's no Good problem. And I'm like, well, how do you do this? Blah, blah, blah. And they're too, like... Too dumb to know the risk. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And they're like, just run until the wind catches you. And we just go and nosedive off the edge and then sail around. And it was fun. Yep. It's literally like flying a paper airplane. Yeah. I mean, that's like the the flight characteristics of a... Every, everything about the start, the flight is fine. It's It's the finish. The the landing is just <laughs> god awful. We watched this guy come in. Everyone, every single yeah. one I've ever watched come in. Yeah, comes in like what Randy's about to say. Yeah. So this he uh, so you know you want to kind of like flare up and like bring the nose up as you finish. As you should know. I mean, you did it, right? Mm-hmm. How, how was your landing? But tell us about your landing. Ours wasn't bad, so I had sat down on the beach because we landed on the beach and you you end like over the water and then <laughs> I I sat down there for about an hour before it was my turn to go up the mountain and just watched people eat shit <laughs> over and over into the sand and I was like oh my god like that looks terrible um, the the guy that flew me wasn't that bad. And so we did, we still hit the ground pretty hard though and did like a brief tuck and roll. Um, yeah, it wasn't, it was not graceful huh. by any stretch. Yeah. Sounds yeah. about right. Well, we watched a guy, uh, so they came in and like looked like they were about to land. They got like three or two feet off the ground, but their feet weren't touching. Nose was too high and they went up some more and then just spiked it. Straight down and uh, oh. sorry, I know I keep smashing the, the table, but uh, um, 
like mm-hmm. bent the front piece, like on front right piece of the whatever the, the, the frame. frame. Yeah, it. it was just like, I mean, no one was like seriously hurt, but I'm pretty sure one of them went to the hospital after that one. Just give it a, the, based on the numbers, like yeah. at least one every couple of days probably was yeah, not when, having a good we day. Were, when we were doing our paragliding course in in Switzerland, there was also a few of the spots there were pair. Um, hang glider launching and landings as well. And, uh, yeah, you'd see, you see these people come in and they're like coming in head first, you know I mean? No matter. And it just, uh-huh. it just never yeah. looked not for me. No, coming thanks. in hot. but yeah, yeah, with your like preconditioned to want to go up, up mountains, mm-hmm. you should definitely look into paragliding. Yeah. Just Cause you could summit and then, then go fly. find a nice, Nice launching point and yeah, yeah. Again, that would but, be way better. But it helps, you know. Going down is definitely my least favorite part of yeah. mountain climbing, and that's yeah. I I don't think I get injured or hurt or feel bad really at all until the return down, and that's when I think everything like your knees swell, like mm-hmm. it just hurts going, especially if you're trying to run down Kilimanjaro for some reason. We mm-hmm. seem to like sprint off the mountain. I was so angry. I was like. Why are we running? Um, but we were just running down the mountain. And then after that, like everything hurt. And I had been three or four days hiking up and felt fine. And just that day down, I was like, this is terrible. Returning yeah. in a different way would so, be far better. Mm-hmm. The last thing I'll say about paragliding, though, is that it helps to understand meteorology and, and weather patterns. Mm. Like that's really important. And I'm not that. That's the first, that's when I realized, like, I'm not that smart. I am not picking up what they're like. Hmm. Of course, they were also, you know, English as a second language trying to teach us, you know, after it was like we were in a class, they would say things in German, Swiss German, and then try and like break it down for us. And it it was a little frustrating, but, but understanding the, the weather, weather stuff is, is very important. Um, tell us a little bit about, we, we haven't talked about Elbrus much. Um, back to the, you know, the, your your goal of hitting the seven summits. Mm-hmm. Um, Elbrus was a little bit more difficult than Kilimanjaro. It was much icier, and so I did. I I thought I really needed to have crampons training and learn how to climb with ice picks and all of that, and it was absolutely not necessary. It was mm-hmm. much easier. Again, it's mostly just if you're willing to suck it up and continue walking and walking up a mountain for that many hours every day. Um, so we, yeah. What time of year did you go? I went in August. No. Yeah. So Kilimanjaro did in like December time frame because that's after the rainy season. And then August was the, I think the best time frame for, for doing that. But I also, that's after I'd been surfing in, in Senegal and I had sea urchin spines and the doctors, uh, they hadn't gotten all of them out. And so they were still infected urchin spines in my feet and they tried to cut them open and they're like, you just have to wait and like, let these out. And I told them, it was like, I'm supposed to go and climb this mountain in like two weeks. Am I allowed to go? And they're like, well, we, we can't tell you no, but that's, we strongly recommend against it. And it was funny. I just went back cause I, went in for my annual health assessment or whatever. And that was the first thing the doctor asked. So she was like, did you go climb that mountain? And I was like, I did. They didn't fall off. No, I got lucky. There was someone on the trip and he was a doctor. 
And so he had lidocaine patches. So I just couldn't feel my feet. It was perfect. I took <laughs> oh, pain meds. I couldn't feel them. Yeah. And on the up, it wasn't that bad. But again, coming down, like I was just, I kept great pace and like our team went really fast going up the mountain. Coming down, I was like crawling and like nearly in tears. I was like, this is terrible. It hurt so bad. Mm. But I made it and that's what counted. <laughs> It was the same thing with that, though, of like uh, the summit morning, just hours and hours of your life spent in the dark hiking up. But it's cool because you start seeing glimmers of the the sun starting to come up in the horizon as you're getting closer to the top. And then you look down and see your last eight hours of work of how far you've come up the mountain and you see how close you are to like reaching the the top of it and that's very exciting feeling so yeah i hope to go continue and do the rest of them we'll see you'll get there i know you will yeah your uh your um uh what's he called your guide had a funny phrase at elbrus wasn't it elbrus Oh, yeah. What did they say? Probably something in Russian. Very fucking rude. Good dog. Good dog. The Hiroshi Sabaka. <laughs> Hiroshi Sabaka. Every day he would just... Yeah, there was. they said something else to me too, but the, the Hiroshi Sabaka was every time and i was like oh i'm learning a russian phrase like this is fun and so i picked up like very basic things of like oh spasibo um pajalsta and the the thank you and you're welcome and very very basic things over the course of the week climbing the mountain and harosha sabaka is what he would say every time i would do something that he liked and so i was like oh this must be like a russian thing of like it's acceptable to say good dog and then i think i was in the restaurant or something in moscow afterwards returning and i said that and i was like oh harosha sabaka and they're like excuse me like everyone was like i don't know why are you calling me a dog and i was like i've been called a dog for a week now i thought it was a compliment (laughs) is it not (laughs) yeah yeah no exactly I guess still not. <laughs> hmm. I could see that. It sounds sounds like something a Russian Sherpa would say. Yeah, for sure. You, use a good bitch. Keep, a, keep going. Bitch. Keep going, bitch. <laughs> keep going. <laughs> I never thought about it like that. <laughs> me either, but that makes much more sense. He's like, you're dragging me up this fucking mountain, but at least you're like, paying me. Exactly. Use yeah. a good bitch. <laughs> Good bitch. One more step. One more step. (laughs) (laughs) We go. Nice. Very cool. So tell us a little bit of a little bit about your blog. So I started doing a travel blog a few years ago. I think it was about the time that I came out here. So like three years ago, um, because I was posting on Instagram and I would post pictures of cool places that were slightly off the the beaten path or somewhere a little interesting. And I would get so many questions about like, how did you go there? How did you set things up? Like, where did you stay? Um, What would you recommend doing? And I was constantly emailing people the, here's what I would recommend doing in this city. Um, Here's how I was able to travel cheaply to country X. And this is how I did this one. And this is like the, even Kilimanjaro. Like I got a lot of questions about like, did you have to do training? Like what gear would you recommend? And so I thought, oh, this would be easier. Just put it all together in a travel blog. It makes it nice. One place I can start throwing everything. Um, and, And so that's 
picked up and that's kind of like built back and forth between that and Instagram of the more facts and helpful information I think goes on the blog and, and hopefully it mm. helps give ideas and then like just the, the more practical information of like, it's not that difficult sometimes places like Egypt, I think can seem intimidating or Turkey, um, especially going as I, I did Turkey as a, a solo trip. And is it safe to go to those places? Like how did you play in different parts of it? And just giving that feedback hopefully is helpful to to others and it saves me time because I don't continue to to retype Answer the same, the same thing. shit. Exactly. And so if I just put it all together and I can share pictures and I think pictures also help paint more of like a, a bigger better picture for someone if they're interested in maybe going to a place. But um yeah. That was the the start of the blog. Very cool. What's it called? The Bree Adventure, which is the same as the, the Instagram. I did this years before I thought it was going to go anywhere when I had, you know, 20 followers and they were all family members. Um, and I was just sharing pictures and I thought it was a clever name. And then now that it's continued to grow, it's, that's why I just use the same thing for the blog. But yeah. Very cool. What's uh, do you have a, do you have a favorite post or one that you like to point people toward the most? Um, interesting question. I don't think so. Um, for for the blog post, so I did one on the seven wonders, and I think that's an interesting one just because it captures so many different things. And then one of the other the recent blogs I did was like how to paid to get travel and some different opportunities that you can do. A handful of them were like around Europe of things that you can do. For example, going to the Champagne region and picking grapes. That you do that for the afternoon time, and then in the evening, like you get all of this premium champagne that you get a drink and some of them you get paid to do. So it's just small opportunities and things like that, that are ideas that I've come across over the years of traveling and going to places like in the Dolomites where you can go and you pick apples and the same thing that they give you like free room and board and you make there, you actually make a decent amount of money and you do it for a couple of weeks. But if it pays for your entire trip and you can go pick apples or do whatever for a week and then you get to travel around Europe and your whole vacation's paid for, it's, it's a pretty good deal. So yeah, I think that was, that's one of the other favorite ones because it's also just been a compilation of places I've been and people I've met over years of traveling that have given, Oh, here's something you can do in this region. Like this is how we see a lot of travelers come through. So very cool. So you'd say you're well-traveled a little bit. A little. Working on it. So do you pack like Randy packs where he brings like a full suitcase for a weekend? Or have you figured out a way – like what's your best uh, – do you pack light or are you uh, – I pack very light. So, yeah, I have one of the small roller carry-ons. And then my little afternoon backpack. Mm -hmm. um, and that's all I tried to take on trips. But that's primarily because my bags got lost so frequently. Um, especially like here in Stuttgart, they knew me at the lost baggage for the first <laughs> few months. Because every time one of my bags got lost, I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, I'm not, I'm just not going to do this. So um, I definitely try to pack very light just because I don't want to deal with the headache of lost baggage. And it's happened so many times that it's not worth it. So I probably, 
don't have great fashion on trips because I don't care that much and I just wear the same things. If you start traveling with parachutes, I would strongly suggest that would be uh, different. carrying the parachute on the plane. Yeah. Because uh, if it's a trip for jumping, that's the one thing you need. Everything else you can kind of yeah. get. Like you can sort the rest out. Yeah, but yeah, you you want your parachute, and if you carry if you're jumping like a wingsuit or something, put that bring that on the plane too. And yeah. Then, uh, that makes sense, and that, that gives justification if it's going to be larger. I was just thinking like work trips and basic things of not bringing anything extra, but yeah. that makes sense that you would yeah. need a little bit more. But yeah, yeah, like it's 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 not easy, and a lot of people always overpack mm-hmm. and like learning. Oh wait, I only really need this one pair of pants as long as I don't shit myself. <laughs> Should I don't be, need should I don't fine. need another pair of pants. Yeah. And I think if you have like quick drying things that especially if they absorb any smell cuz you're going to hopefully if you're there for a while you can find a place to cheaply wash yourself. Um but quick dry is super nice and it, obviously I don't bring anything that if it wrinkles it doesn't matter for me. I'm not going to bring clothes that need to be like hung up and cared for because right. that just makes it much more difficult. But, yeah. What's your number one t- uh, travel tip? What's your, like, must-do, like, uh, or something you do for every trip? Um, so I definitely try and do some type of adventure activity every place that I go. And it doesn't matter what it is, whatever they offer there that's popular. So, like, the hang gliding in Rio. Um, I try and do something like that on every single trip that I go on because I think you get to see a unique aspect of the place and it's something much more interesting than just going and taking pictures in a downtown. Like I love going to museums or restaurants and obviously I I go to the bars when I go there, especially on solo trips. Um, but doing some type of an adventure activity, even if it's like kayaking down the river or something, you're also doing something active and you don't feel as bad for all of the calories that I just eat like there's no tomorrow on (laughs) vacations and trips. (laughs) And so that kind of balances it out. Um, But then I also always try the local food and that's definitely bitten me a few times for eating street meats. Street meat's the best. Street meats are the best. That's how you you keep from from getting sick. I I think if you you balance the street meat, True. Don't eat the street salads. Very, also very true. But if you have the street meats and you put the hot sauce on it and you have a beer with it, like that's way better than taking Malarone or any of the the medication. (laughs) Like you take the the beer and the hot sauce and you put that with all all of your meals. Nine times out of ten, that works. It'll kill everything. Exactly. But I think it's good to be at least a little adventurous because I think sometimes people get nervous traveling and they don't want to be sick on a trip and they don't want to have something that they hate. But that's also the way you explore a little bit more of what that new place has to offer. And you try their local drinks or the local hooch and it's a good way to learn a little bit more about the place that you're at. Yep. Yeah, I never got sick off street meat. I got sick off of restaurants or yeah, a couple yeah. of catered fancy dinners. Uh, Ethiopia got me twice. Um, KL fan, got me. Fancy dinners. And uh, I got, but yeah, within 48 hours of getting back, uh, I was projectiling from both ends. I uh, know. Yeah. But, yeah. 
I had one in the Congo, and I thought it was for sure a street meat, and I didn't know. I had no idea what it was. It was just being cooked over like a, a trash pit of fire mm-hmm. and i was like well this seems i should probably try it um had that and then had some just moonshine or something very similar and they're like careful don't drink too much you might go blind like sometimes <laughs> that happens i'm like well it's too late at this point i've already <laughs> had a few swigs mm-hmm. um, that was one i was like pretty confident i was gonna get sick i was perfectly fine the plain food, I feel like, is dodgier than the, the street meats. Yep. Have you done extreme zip lining anywhere? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm typically not a fan of zip lining. I think it's so safe in so many places that it just takes the fun out of it. However, if you do it in foreign countries that don't have rules, it <laughs> makes it substantially more fun. So I did it in Peru on that, that weekend. Um, we had actually gone out very hard the night before which was dumb it was near the end it was like the the second to last day or something and so we're like all right this is the last day like our whole group's together we're gonna go hard we drank what tequila maybe we drank a lot of it and then the next morning everyone was rough showing up and we still clearly smelled like it everyone was still drunk it had been like two hours or something and we show up at the zip lining place they had almost no safety precautions except they made you wear a helmet and they're like, oh, the way you stop yourself is by wearing this glove and you just grab onto the cord and then it, like sparks would fly off as you're holding it. But that's how you slowed yourself down. So I did it the first time, you know, cross over the little valley, grab on, sparks go flying. I'm like, this doesn't seem safe. So after that, I was like, fuck it. And then you just come barreling in and they had some stops on the other side. But like I took someone out when they were standing there trying to slow us down. Ooh. It was a completely different adventure zip lining. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, sounds spicy. It, it was definitely spicy. From what I remember of it, I had a great time. I, uh, I bungee jumped quite a few times. And the uh, only place I've ever bungee jumped was Uganda. Uganda. Yeah, yeah. I did that place, but they closed it shortly after. I did it right at Christmas time. I brought an ugly Christmas sweater and jumped into the Nile River there. Yeah, that was a good time. Yeah, I did the the world's highest bungee jump in Macau. And there they didn't let you drink because I asked before and I was like, is it going to be a big problem? They're like, if they smell on you, they're not going to let you jump. And I was like, interesting. So I'd done a few of, and I did... Put in, some, pop some gum in your mouth or exactly <laughs> this is fine and then i did it in new zealand at the world's first bungee jump and i met aj hackett there um he's the Who, person that founded like the commercial bungee jumping so he's the one that has the majority of the bungee jumping places around the world he's the godfather of bungee jumping exactly oh, yeah cool. <laughs> so i showed up there wow. and i was like well i'm not i'm I'm not really that interested in bungee jumping. Bungee um, jump zero zero one. <laughs> <laughs> he did, I think, off the Eiffel Tower and got arrested because he was, yeah, he was the the founder of like commercial bungee jumping. But hmm. yeah, I actually got to meet the Irish rugby team there because they were there playing for the World Cup, and that's the only reason that he was there at the site was to give them a tour and like to welcome them. And then I just showed up and crashed it. They made a mistake, and they booked me on a day they weren't supposed to, and I got to go and hang out with everybody. That's cool. Yeah. Worked well, out well. That was the first one I did. I'm sure they were pissed about that. Yeah. Yeah, typically. 
No rapping this time. Right? No, 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 no. Yeah, I wasn't going to ask you. The oh, last, the last <laughs> You guys were rapping last time? Randy said he got messy, but he didn't say how messy. Yeah. Rapping messy? <laughs> Jesus. Well, man. that was an, an idea I had sober. And, uh, cause Bree's a pretty. And it was supposed to be so cool because I had planned it. So they haven't actually gotten married yet. Well, they're, they're married. It's a, my best friend and her Irish husband, I guess. Um, I was supposed to go back and be the maid of honor last May. And then obviously the wedding got postponed and I rewrote the Chris Brown Look At Me Now. So Look At Me Now is the one song I can crush that in karaoke. And so that's the song that I did. And then it's not, there's some, some lyrics in there that aren't appropriate. For a wedding? Well, no, I did rewrite it. Period. The, the lyrics for the, the original period. song aren't appropriate, period. And I tried to make the ones for the the wedding. It was going to be my maid of honor speech is to do like a portion of it. And like, look at them now. They're getting married. Actually, Randy gave that hook line. Yeah. Because when I started talking about the idea, he was like, you oh, guys you guys are both corny as hell. <laughs> but wouldn't that be way better than most of the maid of honor speeches you've heard at a wedding at weddings? Yeah, I try not to go to weddings. They're just happy. And then everyone yeah. is either like bored or yeah, they're crying. Just, and they're just when we were kids. And we had the little stuffed animals. You stood up for me in the third grade. Exactly. And I was like, well, no. They would be okay with me taking this completely different direction. And I kept most of those pretty PG-13. Yeah. <laughs> Today's PG-13. Today's PG-13. Like and I feel cursing like, the, like poets. Yeah. You know, and but. like the older people are the ones that would be offended. Like mm-hmm. small children, if they caught something and they heard it, they would think it was funny. Like older people are the ones that would be offended. And I feel like they wouldn't understand it anyways. It would be going too fast. That's true. So it's a win-win. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. So you still got this done? I I have it, and I don't, I can't say it yet because they haven't gotten married yet, Mm. which is disappointing. I mean, they they will, but I can't wait. I can play the original, uh, uh, your version afterwards if you want. Oh, yeah. (laughs) If you want to hear it. Yeah. uh, We were also very drunk by the time that happened, and I was not on my A game. (laughs) Yeah. Nothing about that was. I mean, it was. I I take. Oh, we talked I, about the the tiger tiger king tiger too. Tiger king, yeah. Because that's when that had just come out. When we had just Carol Baskin. Was that, a, was, was that about God damn no, Carol Baskin? I mean, it was. It's April now, so it was about a, almost a year ago. Was it probably May when we when we did the original recording? Yeah. Yeah, I just couldn't release it because I. I mean, I got drunk, drunk, and I was like, mm, no, no one needs to hear this. Like, it had nothing to do with you. You, were, I thought. <laughs> Trust me, I thought you were fine. I, I was professionally embarrassed. I was like, I can't, I just can't air this. Um, it was a very fun, fun one. I, I walked to Kyle's after that. Now mm-hmm. you hadn't met him yet. Mm-mm. Wait, when he, but he wasn't. Where's his old place? His before old place. Here? Yeah. So their old places, both of them were like fairly close. Uh, yeah. And what should have been like a ten minute walk took me like forty five minutes. Mm-hmm. Just, I have no idea. I made it there, though, and then that's when I got buried in his couch because his couch is so comfortable, and you can just slide in, and they couldn't find me. They thought I left, and so they, like, sent out the search party, and they were, like, looking for me, and the whole time I was just sleeping in the couch. Yeah. Yeah, we crushed, like, a bottle of Jack yeah. um, during that recording. So that'll do it. Yeah, a few of those there, I just like, ah, like, somebody's going to be like, this is... 
this is a cry for help. Like Randy, Randy needs like counseling or something. So I was like, oh, we're just gonna not, we're just not gonna air these. <laughs> so, that was a good time. But Bree, thank you for being on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Thank but, you for having me. This is yeah, fun. Fun stuff. Yeah. Thank you for the stories. It was such a fun time. Now you guys just have to take me paragliding. Right. Show me, show me the ropes. Yeah. Oh, we we're not ready to show you anything about yeah, paragliding. We're well, we're baby paragliders. Still still working on our license. Right. Yeah, but but hopefully we can do a skydive one of these days. Yes. Um, yeah. Because then that, that's one up. I mean, it's not an update because no one got to hear the first recording. But um, but you you have uh, achieved your A license since then. You're mm-hmm. like a full on skydiver now. Um, so. a little slightly less of a baby than I was the last time, right. but yeah. Of course, you're gonna have to uh, do a currency do jump. a currency jump and oh yeah, because it happened since like August September of last year. Yeah, it's been a minute. That's but, okay. And I thought I was gonna, you know, immediately this year as soon as it was getting warm, start mm-hmm. going and jumping, and nothing's nothing's opening up. But we'll see when it does. Hopefully in DC, I'll be able to find a good little group. Sky place yeah. there. I read about that. I actually was looking that's the, the closest, other day. That's the closest one to DC. Mm-hmm. Good luck with 95. Uh, that should be fun. Yeah. I went once. Is it difficult? Well, getting back on Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening is going to crush your soul because it becomes a parking lot. Was it 495 and 95? The 95. I'm not allowed to oh. cut lane because I'm planning on just getting another motorcycle when I move back because there's not going to be the Autobahn, so I'm less likely to mm-hmm. kill myself on a bike. But. You can't cut lanes, I don't think. In the, yeah, that's not legal. It's frowned upon. Because here you can, which is yeah. really nice. And I was disappointed. Because every time I see them, I'm like, ah, why isn't this a thing? Why can't we do this? But especially on highway traffic, because you could just zip down the middle or on the side on a yeah. bike, and it wouldn't make a difference. Rules. Stupid. Stupid. Stupid rules. But yeah, Skydive Orange is... Pretty okay. much the best slash closest to DC, and you're already on the south side, mm-hmm. so that cuts out a lot of the city traffic that trying to get out of town. So if you're if you're in Springfield or something like that, it's, it's an easy shoot down and to the left. Okay, That's but good. Uh, yeah, Orange is where it's at. Scotty Bob's not there anymore, but uh, I'm sure there's somebody good. Be be willing to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. We we'll get we can. Uh, sure, we we don't know who we know there, but we're sure we. You know, that's how drop zones work. Yeah. <laughs> Guarantee yeah. we know somebody there. But yeah. Cool. Where can people learn more about you? Um. So on yeah the tagline for the Brie Adventure um, for either the Instagram page or the, the travel blog and generally just Googling. How do you spell Brie? The name. It's like the cheese. Yeah, that's the easiest way I always explain it, especially when traveling and you're like, there's always confusion about names and things. And you're like, oh, it's Brie. Like the French cheese. <laughs> yes. Q, corny, cheesy line after that but yeah perfect awesome well thank you again and uh this has been a base life podcast yeah we're out 
All right. If you want to know more about our guests, just check out the show notes. And if you want to give us some feedback or reach out to us, you can hit us at baselife2014 at gmail.com, facebook.com backslash the baselife. And on Instagram, we're at base.life. All right. Thanks.